Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming out to Comic Book Club Live. Please give it up for your hosts, Alex and Pete. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I am Pete. And that's our man of the booth, Booth Man Prime. Booth Man Prime. And this is a very special show, you guys, because tonight is our third co-host, Justin's birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, Justin. He's staying very silent here, as you probably know, because he's a little embarrassed about this. But I was thinking we could sing him the birthday song. Does that sound good? He didn't show up, man. I'm not going to sing for him. Oh, you're not even going to pretend that he's here? Yeah, I'm not, no. Just classic improv, no but. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He texted us and was like, hey, listen, guys, you know, I know we've been doing the show for 13 years, but it's my birthday. Are you mad at him on his birthday for having a birthday dinner? Is that what's going on right now? Yeah, I'm a little mad. I was hoping we could. We We set up this comic book show. I don't. I can't believe I have to remind you about this. <laughs> With two very simple rules, the first rule was review comics, right? And the second rule was always honor the birthday. Oh, okay. You're and right. I'll remind you of that. My birthday is coming up on a Tuesday. I'll just keep it. <laughs> remind you of that. Just kind of keep that in mind. Wait, are you going to ditch us on your birthday? Yeah, man. I got stuff to do. <laughs> oh, cool. No, I don't have anything. <laughs> uh, you know what I do have to do is yeah. bring out our amazing guests. I'm very excited about them. They are both writers for Ahoy Comics, various titles that we're about to get to, to in a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, Elisa Quitney and Stuart Moore. Yeah, welcome. Welcome. Hello. Great to have you. Have a seat and a microphone. Welcome. Hello. Great to have you. Hello. Thank you so much for coming out. Very excited to have both of you here yeah. to talk about everything Ohio Comics. Stuart, yes. you can't stay away. No. <laughs> <laughs> you were just here a couple of weeks ago, uh, but we're excited to have you back. Uh, I know we went down the list of your credits backstage, and then I was like, you know what? They're working on too many projects. I'm just going to say yeah, it, it feels that way, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, L- Lisa, you're uh, new to this show, not new to this game. You're a, you're an old hat at this game. I'm an old uh, heritage. Oh, yes. Uh, you're working, uh, you're doing a story or a couple of stories in Edgar Allan Poe's Snifter of Terror for Ahoy? So far, just one. And okay. I'm, I'm hoping that after I, I've done what I've done, they will let me do another at some point. <laughs> nice. But uh, I, I, I'm very excited by this story because it... Um, I think the mandate was sort of Poe, only worse. More depraved, more disgusting. Poe is a bad writer. We're going to be even worse. And I I picked, I think, really one of the more depraved stories. Nice. Well, so what, is it adaptations of Edgar Allan Poe's stories, or is it fresh takes in the style of Poe? It's it's sort of, um, it's riffs on... Edgar Allan Poe's stories themselves, mm. and it, it, it also includes Poe as a character. I yeah, he's kind of the say. crypt keeper. He's sort of the uh, uh, the. Um, it's sort of a cross between Mad Magazine and Drunk History, and um, and uh, 
yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. sounds great. So it's, uh, yeah. And it's, um, it's funny, I, I just finished doing these YA books that are, are uh, takes on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and oh, a cool. little bit of Oliver Twist thrown into the second one. And so the idea of riffing on, on something historical and macabre was just very delightful to me. <laughs> well, we actually, uh, those listening at home to the podcast can't see them, but we do have two of the books here, uh, Corpse and Crown and Ooh. Cadaver and Queen. As Ooh. my agent pointed out, that is the same title, but they are <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, where, where did the idea of this come from, where it's Frankenstein but romance, right? Well, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's, diff- there's usually, you know, sex, humor, and neuroticism in everything I do. Okay. Um, but nice. this, <laughs> this started out, actually, I think it was supposed to be a Vertigo idea back, um, back in the day, and it was uh, I, I was very interested in the Victorians and, and some of their mistaken ideas about science. So I wanted it to be a medical school, and I wanted it to to be sort of uh, with Elizabeth Lavenza, who in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is the, uh, the the fiance. So she becomes the main protagonist, and Victor Frankenstein is both the monster and. Uh, another scientist. So it, it, oh, cool. I kind of, it's partially riffing on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and partially on all the B movie progenitors, or not progenitors, uh, descendants of, of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I love B movie horror. So that's oh, nice. just, you know. Uh, now, those folks in the audience, too lucky uh, people are going to win signed copies of these today, so that's Ooh. very cool. Uh, but you mentioned Vertigo. I don't know how many people in the audience know this, but both of you worked together as Vertigo editors back in the day. What's it like to work together again now? Or have you never stopped working together? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're always uh, talking. We're not, uh, we're not actually uh, working on a project together right now, um, but we, uh, sure. we, we catch up at conventions and we, we keep in touch, and we're both doing um, separate things with Ahoy Comics. I wrote one story for Edgar Allan Poe's Snifter of Terror, which is collected in the new trade paperback. Um, cool. It's out now. Okay. So, uh, I can't wait to read that. Yes, but when it comes to projects, you're working on Comic Book Club together. We are, yes. Yeah. There is that, yes. 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 Uh, Stuart, you have a lot of stuff going on at Ahoy Comics, though. You're the ops officer, chief yeah, of I, ops. Yeah, I, I picked that. Black ops? I picked that name because it sounded like I could be wearing sunglasses and walking away from an explosion. <laughs> but it really doesn't mean much of anything. But uh, no, I do a lot of the, um, uh, it's all freelance, but I do, I do a lot of the logistical work and uh, dealing with diamond distributors and things like that and keeping the schedules, stuff like that. Yeah, we. I, I believe we talked about the schedules yeah, pretty in depth the last time you were here. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that was fascinating. <laughs> it was scintillating. Uh, the you are going to Baltimore Comic Con. Yeah, though, this yeah. Weekend? Ahoy actually um, uh, does not exhibit at a lot of conventions, but we will have a, a booth at um, at Baltimore Comic Con. Oh, nice. And we'll be down there with uh, Jamal Igle, um, yeah. who was on with me last time, and um, uh, Chris Giarusso who draws uh, Hashtag Danger, uh, one of the other Ahoy books. And uh, Russell Braun will be down there. He's done some stuff for us, too. So. Cool. I, I just want to say that not a lot of people know this, and maybe we shouldn't say, but Baltimore is actually, I think, the coolest, or one of the coolest cons. Oh, it's a great con. It's, got, it's always got a really, really good guest list, and they're just really, they, they run it really smoothly. It's a, it's, a good sh- it's a good show. Yeah, they also, uh, for those who haven't been there, they have an all-you-can-eat crab cake thing, like, right <laughs> on the side. Don't, don't say that if it's not true, man. It's not true. I'm sorry. <laughs> you asshole. I'll tell you what. I was going to go just <laughs> on that alone. You're going to be like, forget about the comics. I'm yeah. headed for the crab cakes. Uh, you're for the crab. Yeah. I I was just... there for, we were there for four days last year, and uh, Tom Pyre, our editor-in-chief at the end, said, man, this is a tough town to be a crab in. <laughs> uh, what are you going to be exhibiting there? Are you going to be bringing down? Uh, yeah, we're going to be selling. Um, we're going to be selling uh, all the well, all the current books and all the. Uh, that we have uh, we have four trade paperbacks out: The Wrong Earth, Captain Ginger, High Heaven, and the new Edgar Allan Poe um, Season One collection. Uh, and then we'll have the la- the um, the more recent uh, single issues as well. How f- I know it wasn't that much longer ago that you were here, but how has Ahoy Comics changed? How has it developed? I thought you were going to ask me, how has being on the comic book club changed (laughs) your life in the last uh, (laughs) day? I mean, people approach you regularly on the street. They're like, here's some money. 
I'm sorry, what was the actual question? The actual question is, uh, when, when you were on a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago, it, Second Coming had first come out, all these big, buzzy titles had come out, uh, and now we're several months past that, how have things grown? How have things changed? Well, um, Second Coming was a real game changer for the company, and probably most people listening to this know it was scheduled to be published by DC Comics, which dropped it over a scare about the content. It's actually... Um, it's it's a sacrilegious book only if you believe in the Bible as the literal word of God. It's actually very respectful, and its portrayal of Jesus Christ is considerably more sympathetic than, well, than the portrayal of the superhero in it, which is also fairly sympathetic. Um, but that's come out, that's done really well, and that's continued to sell nicely. Um, the other thing that's happened is we really are gaining a... Uh, critical mass of trade paperbacks, and that's important. Like, we're getting stuff out into Barnes & Noble now. Um, there's just a lot more... Um, the stuff is just available a lot more places, a lot more visibility. And we're going to announce the, um, the fourth wave of books pretty soon, um, and that'll have, some, uh, that'll have some pretty big stuff in it, I think. Yeah. Cool. Alisa, uh, other than uh, the editing, you've worked on a lot of comic books over the years. You worked on a bunch of the Sandman books and other things. Uh, it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, but then you transitioned over to YA novels. Now you're coming back to comics, or has it been consistent the entire time? I think I've gone back and forth between the two okay. pretty much throughout. I had just uh, graduated from Columbia's MFA program when I started work at, at Vertigo. Which was mm-hmm. not then Vertigo. It was I was just it was right, Karen it was Berger. Before, yeah, pre Vertigo. Was it Vertigo. Cool dudes comics. It was I called I like horror, and we have someone who does that. I, I, <laughs> I went in there, and they said, "What kind of comics do you like best?" And I said, "Well, you don't publish, but I used to love the House of Mystery and the House of Secrets as a kid." And they said, "Well, actually," um, and that's how I found out about Karen and Sandman wow. and um, and a bunch of other stuff I, I hadn't known about. Um, so. My first novel, Till the Fat Lady Sings, was published just as I was an assistant editor at Vertigo. And, and at that time, you could write as well. And it was, I think I was very open about saying I want to write. And so I was, I was allowed to do some of that. And I, I wrote some strange things. I remember I had one story in um, the No Man's Land, uh, Batman stuff. And oh, I, was nice. given, I was so excited. And then I was given uh, one issue where there could be no Batman? I was like, wait, no Batman? No uh, no Catwoman? No, no major villains? Nothing. Just an earthquake. Just, Just an earthquake. <laughs> and I, I said, okay. So I ended up writing about this guy who's uh, bitten by a bat and has this complete rabies hallucination in which he hallucinates everyone. So I put into my one issue... Every major character, <laughs> but it was a hallucination. Nice. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned the editor's no writing role because certainly different companies have different things. Since both of you have been on both sides of the coin there, what's your take on it? Should editors keep writing separate? Does it matter? Does it vary by company? Uh, what do you think? Um, it, I, <laughs> I have very mixed feelings about this, and I... I uh, I edit most of my own comic books now, like the, the comics at Ahoy I put together from, from start to finish. Um, and I think I, I think I know how to do that. I'm not sure it's something everyone should do, and I'm not sure it's something everyone wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, the, the major companies both got away from it at different times um, because they were worried about conflict of interest and, and abuse of the policy. And I think when you get enough of it going on, that can be a problem. Um, certainly in the... Uh, in the days when it was in the seventies and eighties, when there was a lot of it at uh, Marvel and then at DC, um, you had a structure where um, uh, writers were trained in this a little more. And I'm not sure how much of that happens now. Also, those companies are much more corporate and have a lot more regulations than they used to. Um, I really think it's case by case. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Some people are suited for it. Some people, some people aren't. Yeah. Um, I don't know. How do you? Well. I mean, I know for me, it was something I really, I I love doing both. I love editing, I love teaching, and I love writing, and all of those are are sort of connected for me. But I can see how, if you're a writer trying to break into comics, you don't want your editor to also be your competition. And I think... I think it is a balancing act in in terms of, of all of that. The other side is, you know, book publishing has changed, too. And I think that more and more 
editors I know have gone freelance, and there's much more back and forth. For me, and I, I this is what I would say to a, a writer, you know, that I get to use a certain part of my brain when I'm editing, and it feels really satisfying to look at someone else's work and without overwhelming it, see connections in places where you can help them really fully realize their story. Mm. And, of course, you get to edit art as well, and that's a very exciting thing to do as well, to help that that coming together of the team. As a writer, it's fun to create, but you lack that distance unless you have a lot of time lag. You know, I don't think it's any writer or, or creator is as able to... I'm sorry, I'm going on and on, but I, it's a different yeah, part of your place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that, but I, I, for me, it's different with different projects. Like, there are projects I could not have done without an outside editor. Like, mm-hmm. Absolutely. The, the novels I wrote with Stan Lee are a perfect example of that. That needed... That needed guidance all along. Um, but the the books I write for Ahoy, and again, my editorial work there is, as you say, largely dealing with the artists, putting the team together. Um, but I feel like I know what I'm doing with them, like it, to a point. And there are people who backstop me. There are always people reading the scripts and you know, mm-hmm. pointing out when I'm going in. Hopefully, when I'm going in completely the wrong direction, <laughs> which happens. But um, but I, 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 again, for me, it's project by project. It just depends. Cool. Uh, before we move on, plug your stuff again. People should be checking out Edgar Allan Snifter of Terror, which is coming out. Did we figure out when it's coming out? Yes. So my story is going to be coming out in February in um, issue five. Hi. Yep. And uh, it's Berenice, and it's a, a sort of uh, feminist, macabre, uh, teeth. <laughs> nice. Teeth. There's a lot of teeth. And I, I want to say that Alain Morisset is the artist on that. It's and amazing. he and I have collaborated a lot. And we are always, we're a team that we do a lot of give and take. He's amazing. Um, we will be doing something else, which I can't talk about yet with Ahoy. Ooh, yeah. But there will be. So just stay posted. Cool. Very cool. And you have your yeah. Captain Ginger collection? Uh, well, the, the Ginger collection is out now. Um, the, uh, actually, I can segue right into that by saying Alain Morissette, the same artist, drew the back feature in my recent comic, Bronze Age Boogie. Oh, and we've got the collection of that coming out, minus the back feature. But uh, the collection of that book will be out November 6th. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's my 1970s mashup of all different genres. Um, it's about a teenage barbarian uh, girl who winds up fighting a Martian invasion um, in 1975 and in 1975 BC. Um, <laughs> and there, there, there's a sort of a badass street warrior character named Linda Dark. There's a uh, master of the martial arts named Jackson Lee. So it's all these sort of comics and exploitation genres um, thrown together. And hopefully it all makes sense. I it, think it sounds does. so delicious. That's, <laughs> I cannot wait to have that collected. Yeah, it's super fun. Pretty Definitely fun. check it out. And we're going to move on with our next section, which we like to call the stack. Yeah. Hey. Uh, I just noticed that there's two Star Trek people in the audience. That's right. What are two you generations. Two generations. Yeah, there. We'll, yeah. we'll find out what your game is later. Uh, why do you hate them? Why, why I so, don't know. I'm suspicious. There's something going on here. There's a gambit of some sort. In the stack, we like to talk about a couple of comics that we like this week. Let's kick it off with Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 11 from Marvel Comics. Pete, have you been enjoying the old Miles Morales? Yes, I have. Uh, Very much enjoying it. The art is fantastic. What's nice is in this issue, we, the reader, have known kind of like who's been the mastermind uh, behind the bad guys. And now Spider-Man finally kind of catches up to us in this issue. (laughs) And it's kind of a real fun uh, last page. caught up to you. Yeah, yeah. got you. He's, he's finally, you know, at our level, which is great. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, yeah, I really... Enjoy Miles Morales because I really like how much family and, uh, uh, you know, that kind of like aspect and friends, they really kind of focus on that, which is great. And, uh, yeah, the arts in this is amazing. A lot of fun action. Uh, yeah, good, good I, I like this issue as well, but it does have one of my least favorite things in comics that I'm curious Ooh. to get our guests take on. The cover of the book has Miles Morales facing down uh, the Prowler, his uncle, Aaron. Right. That doesn't happen until the last page of the book, <laughs> right. and it's the last page reveal. 
Uh, as editors who have probably dealt with this time and again, why, why does this happen? Is this a getting the cover done before the comic thing? Is it a different case every time? Do you have any take on it? It could be getting the cover done before the comic, or it could be that, that uh, someone just got carried away and decided that was the splashiest image, and that's mm. what it should be. And I agree with you. It's kind of a cheat. Like, yeah. The, yeah, it's a real bummer. Uh, because yeah. you're like, it takes away the, the, the spoiler at the end. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It builds oh, up to yes. the yeah. issue, and you're like, oh... Yeah. All right, I guess I'll read yeah, the I so was saw the, the cover. Was the Prowler in the issue before that? Or was he... Uh, I don't think no, so. Oh, no, okay. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's, the, it's trailer-itis, too. I find that, you know, if, <laughs> yeah. if there's any movie I really want to see, I have to be like, la, 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 yeah, whenever there's a trailer. The, yeah, yep. Yeah. Because you can... What happens to me is if I see a trailer for something, I start writing the movie in my head, mm-hmm. and, like, as I'm watching it, instead of just enjoying it, I have my own ad- agenda because I've seen the trailer, and it can really pull me out of it. What I like to do to get around this problem is usually when I go over to Midtown Comics, I just rip all the covers off of everything. <laughs> there you go. Smart. <laughs> Nobody has the problem then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next, what to talk about, Pete? You were very excited about this, I believe. Batman number eighty-one Woo-hoo! from DC Comics. Uh, now, Batman is a character with bad powers. He uses echolocution uh, to yes. sense where he is. He can't he can see. He can turn into a bat. Right? Uh, he yeah. flies. You have fun. You have fun. I'm having a great time. Great. <laughs> very good. Yeah. Uh, no big things happening in Gotham City. Bane has taken over the city. City of Bane. Uh, city of Bane. Uh, Batman has been fighting back. Uh, he. Uh, Several issues passed. Alfred had his neck snapped by Bane. He was killed. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into spoilers here if you haven't read it. Pete. Yeah, so finally we get the, uh, you know, the reveal that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Alfred who died. Uh, it was Clayface. But and, what's and weird can is... Can I just say something real quick? Yeah. I fucking called it. You did. <laughs> but what's weird is if you're a bad guy and you snap somebody's neck, you... I, you would be able to tell that it's like clay, right? That it would be like, you know, it's not, it doesn't seem real. What like, are the physics of clay face? Yeah, like, exactly. Does he, does he yeah. become like solid? I don't know. He can make himself like pretty hard, if, right? If he was put in the kiln, then you would just not oh. be able to break him at all. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> nice. Maybe that's he what he did. snap. Like, and, and oh, yeah. Him. And then he'd break yeah. off his head and he yeah. was like, oh. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, this was a great issue. We finally got to, to the bottom of that, and we kind of got, like, Batman explaining his plan as he's fighting his way. And, uh, yeah, the kind of we we see Bane and how huge he is. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the next issue is going to be the big uh, Bane Is he versus, bigger than before? He is bigger than before. He's bigger than before. Yeah, yeah. Bane, bigger so is this, than before. Is this coming right to the end of Tom King's run? Are we yeah. Near it the, is. Yeah. We're, I think the I'm last issue is 85 of the run. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, man, it's been... And I'm, have you read any of I've it? Read, I've read it a bunch of it, but I'm way behind. Yeah. To Sorry to spoil it. Yeah. No, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, how are you? You were very mixed about it for a while, Pete. Yeah, I'm super sad. Uh, he's done a lot of great stuff. I'm sorry to see uh, him taking off of it just because it's been so interesting and cool, the different things that he's done. Uh, and also the way he kind of tells a story, like gives you pieces of information, then takes it away for a while and really makes it, drives you crazy. Um, but yeah, it's it's really been an amazing Batman run and uh you know definitely in the conversation for some of the best. Yeah. Uh interesting. You you pulled back there right at the end. Uh last one to talk about from Marvel Loki uh, number 4 by Daniel Kibblesmith, friend of the show. Mm-hmm. This is a fun run that he is doing here as Loki makes his way through the Marvel universe. This fourth issue Brings everything together, almost works as his own miniseries in a way, uh, as he fights against Nightmare, brings everything together, brings back, in classic Loki fashion, things that were left in the first issue come back in the fourth issue. How'd you feel about this one in terms of wrapping up the first arc? Well, you said it. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun Loki book. And what's great is the art is also a little fun. And uh, I just think this is a, a really great Loki story where, you know, it's... It's focusing on just the lighter stuff and kind of how he deals with it. And I, I think it's I think it's, it's just a great read. I have to imagine writing Loki really challenges a writer to 
be at the absolute top of your intelligence because Loki is a, as smart as they come in the Marvel Universe and always has to be thinking two steps ahead. Have either of you ever written Loki? I was just a, trying to remember. Um, yeah. I, I, I pitched a Loki young adult novel once, but it, it, we didn't go ahead with it. I don't think I have. Yeah. yeah. I was book doula for the Norse Book of Mythology from Neil Gaiman, so I spent a lot of time reading like the original, well, not in the old English, obviously, but the English version. One of my favorite things about the old myths about Loki versus the Marvel version is Loki's tricks are always like, ha-ha, I snapped this beaver's neck. Wasn't that funny? And everybody's like, no, I don't think so. That's terrifying, actually. Uh, So it's a very different character in the mythology, at least, that I found. And he was always doing odd things, like turning into a mare and giving birth to a Cult, you know. Right. <laughs> I don't think you see as much of in the MCU. Yeah, yeah. you don't. You they don't go see back that. To that. They got to go back yeah. to that. That's, that's where I would go, and I yeah. think they should let me. Here's <laughs> after the show, we're going to start a petition on Change.org. Let Tom Hiddleston give birth to a goat on screen. Yeah. Uh, yes, we yes. need to see this. Oh yeah, we need to see this. Thank I mean, you. and and Applause. and you wouldn't then even need to have the porn of it. <laughs> of course not. Uh, Looking up four is great. The other thing that's great about it is it ends in this huge cliffhanger, which I think is so smart on Daniel's part that he's like, "I wrap this up, but I gave you something. You have to buy the next issue. You have yep. to check it out." Uh, I'm very excited to see this title continue. Mm-hmm. Also, what's great is it's not like just Loki. It also deals with his brother and Iron Man and stuff. So it's got like a lot of stuff yeah, going thank on. Thank you for not naming his brother, by the way. We don't <laughs> we talk about his, that guy here. His brother. Oh, yeah. You know who we're talking about. Yeah. Who are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Did you forget? Thor. Oh, right. Thor. Yeah. And that's it for the staff. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to move on. To our next section, which is my favorite section, because you Star Trek weirdos make it up. What? It's your audience questions. What do you have against Star Trek? I don't know, man. I'm very, again, I'm very suspicious about this. But if you have a question for our guests here, or generally for the panel, I'm going to go to this guy first. Oh, look at your anti-Star Trek! You know the one guy who's not dressed up. Ouch. Yeah. What the heck? Hey, my name is Kier, and I actually have a question for my girlfriend who was here last week who didn't get to ask a question. I have it on my phone. Oh, that's nice of you. Yep. Uh, when it comes to an adaptation of a book or a comic or video game is made, do you prefer the adaptation to fully follow through with the story of the original source, or do you like it when they create a lot of different content or changes? Well, that's a great question because it's one of those things where it's like sometimes there is great stories that you want to see them on the screen. You want to see your comic book kind of come to life, you know, like a panel for panel, shot for shot, you know, like 300 was great for that, you know, but sometimes it's nice to kind of start with the material and then see where it kind of goes. Maybe make your own kind of stamp on something we know and love so that way it's not like boring for the people who know what happens. And to me, like uh, Spider-Man Far From Home was like that. I, I was bored by it because I know Mysterio is not a fucking good guy. So I gotta sit here and wait for Spider-Man wait. to catch up to me. <laughs> Wait, what are you... Hold, hold on. Spider-Man's always catching up to you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, but I'm just... In, in, this, <laughs> in, in this particular episode, yes. But I'm just saying, like, sometimes when you know the story so well, it can get boring for the reader or the person. I think what you're really saying is you think you're a lot smarter than Spider-Man. <laughs> I think that's really where this is all going. No, no, sir. No, sir, I am not. Uh, uh, let's turn to our guest instead of the crazy wrong person. That sure, I sure, that makes sense. Uh, what's your take on it? Well, do you, I, I also do you think it's a great question because it lets me plug a book that came out a couple weeks ago, which is uh, I actually just wrote an adaptation of a a book called Batman Nightwalker, and I wrote the graphic novel adapting it from a novel by Marie Lu. Um, It came out really well. I recommend it highly. It's gotten gotten wonderful reviews. It has, Um, and a lot of that's due to the artist, Chris Wild Goose, who's amazing. Um, But uh, uh, when when I actually... I'll answer it from the point of view of... How do I handle this? Because I've done I've done a lot of adaptations in one medium or another, and yeah, sometimes it all depends, and it depends on what medium you're going to and from, and it depends on how much space you have. Um, because when you adapt two comics, often you're very very pressed for space. Um, that was not the case with Batman Nightwalker because it was one of the new um, uh, DC 
they were calling them ink books. Now it's DC Young Adult. Um, and we had a lot of pages to play with. So um, I was able to adapt that one fairly faithfully. And uh, the only real change I had to make was there were a series of sequences where Batman talks, uh, Batman, 18-year-old Bruce Wayne, talks to um, another character through a thick, closed wall in Arkham Asylum. And that worked very well in the novel, where it was all dialogue. But if I had asked an artist to draw that for 40 <laughs> pages, he would have killed me. Yeah. It would have been right. Um, so I had to sort of shift the plot around to, to get them in the same room a little sooner. Um, other than that, there wasn't too much. I wrote the um, novelization of Marvel's Civil War comics. Um, oh, wow. So that was going the other direction. And that involved a lot of expansion. That was a case where you had a lot of characters. I wanted to flesh things out. I wanted to, um, I wanted to give more insight into the various characters' motivations, especially Tony Stark and Captain America, of course. Um, it, was, it was based on the comics, not the, not the film, which is Good. a different Good. setup. Yeah, or the actual event in history. Yes, or the, yes, the, yes. Um, Did you have Punisher in there? Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Great. Yeah, in Great. fact, I... I added a whole Punisher scene. Nice. Uh, actually. Nice. Yes. All I had right. him torturing some criminal or something. Yeah. I I'm going to check that out. <laughs> Great. Do you have a take on this one? Well, it's, it's funny because I also did an ad- adaptation of, um, it was a New Avengers, and it was oh, Breakout, yeah, yeah. and Stuart was my editor. I was the editor. Uh, yeah. So yeah. with that... The Brian Bendis. It was, okay, so I'll, I'll just say, so Brian Bendis, who's an amazing writer, had done yeah. this... Uh, um, arc called Breakout, um, Mm -hmm. which involved, I'm trying to, sorry, it's a few years and my brain is filled with characters and stories, but the original team, I think, was... Do you remember who the It was the core team? Avengers plus... It was when they added Spider-Man and Wolverine to the nice. Avengers. Okay. And, and the only female character in that was Spider-Woman. And right. so I was told, okay, you know, you can go ahead and, you know, change over some characters. And I said, well, can I, can I add... Um, I think I wanted to do Hawkeye and uh, Black Widow. Mm -hmm. And so they said, oh, so you want to switch off uh, (laughs) Spider-Woman for Black Widow? I said, no, no, no. I don't want to take the one female character and replace (laughs) her with another female character. I want to have two female characters. And so my feeling was there was no point in my doing my take on it if I couldn't bring some of what my special sauce was. And I thought, you know, having two women go through... Um, friendship and, and, and distrust and having, you know, and I also felt as uh, I wanted to make it satisfying to people who knew the the arc from comics, but also for people who were attracted to the Avengers from the movies. And I nice. knew that my mandate was in between. So I I think in the end, for most things, you want someone to bring, either if it's being adapted from ballet to opera, comics to movies, you want some of that special sauce of what this new medium is, and at the same time, you want to stay true to whatever the zestiness of the original material was. Yeah, that's an, that's an interesting story you're told, because I, I think you did that shortly after the first Avengers movie came out, and... Uh, I don't think you would get... I hope I wasn't the one telling you you should only use one female character. I don't remember. You were not. But, um, but I, I don't think you would get that feedback today. Um, I think things have changed a bit just in the last five, six years. Yeah, like yeah. I think, I think that has changed. But, For the um, better. Yeah. But I, I was surprised even then that it was still, you know... I, yeah. It's... I don't know. I think I think it's such a good question because you know it's it's you want you want to keep the core of what is really working about the story so that you don't lose it in the translation. Yeah. Well, there was still a breakout. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Great question uh, and great question, to your girlfriend. Let's go over here. What is your name? What's your question? My name is Kevin, and you've talked a lot. Uh, not just about doing adaptations, but doing, you know, the riffs and the mashups and just, you know, taking these classic stories or even, you know, characters from, you know, the universes you've worked on and, you know, squishing them together, taking them apart. And part of the fun of that is, you know, how deep can you go or trying to find the balance and all of that. And when you're doing that, particularly like in your head before putting it together, you know, what are some of the thought processes that go through if you or even if you want to just go like crazy off the wall like how much stuff can I throw in 
so do you mean in terms of mashing up different characters and... and uh... Just whatever you want to do to have fun with them. <laughs> um, so I think that, you know, for all of us as comic book readers, we have attachments to characters and we find ourselves thinking, you know, oh gosh, you know what, a story I'd love to either read or if you're a storyteller, the story I'd love to tell. And I think that it, you know, sometimes you want to fulfill expectations and you want to defy them at the same mm-hmm. time. I believe, for example, that whole lead-in with Hawkeye and Black Widow was sort of thrown away with, ha-ha, you expect they had a romance. Well, they won't have a romance. Instead, they're friends. And there's this other romance with the Hulk, but we'll never really... And I thought, I, I understand that that was meant to surprise, but I, as a reader, felt for example, deeply unsatisfied with that. And I kept thinking like, no, 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 that's not how you do it. (laughs) You know, you want to satisfy that expectation, but in a way that wasn't completely expected. So um, I guess that sort of, for me, it's not just about how unexpected I can be. I'm much more interested in satisfying than I am in surprising. Cool. Yeah, I, I, uh, I try to approach it just, uh, if, if you're working with existing characters, you try, and, uh, you try and pick characters you're interested in and get inside their heads, um, and you try to avoid working on characters that you don't have any particular affinity for. I think you asked me, Kevin, to uh, sign a copy of Deadpool the Duck, and that was a fun one, because I, it sounds like a, just a gimmick, but I really came up with it because they're two characters I've written in the past and really enjoyed, and they're both humor characters, Mm-hmm. within the Marvel Universe with completely different personalities and styles of humor. Yeah. And I thought putting them together would really uh, be hell for both of them. And I thought that <laughs> would be funny in itself. Yeah, cool. Uh, great question. Weird that you didn't recognize the Star Trek thing at all. Uh, what <laughs> Over here, you have another question, sir. You come on down. What's your name? What's your question? My name is Pablo. Hey, Pablo. Hello, Pete. Alex. <laughs> The guess. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like Marianne and the rest, whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Um, getting back to adaptations for a second. So, what is the the best and worst adaptation you ever discovered in comics or in whatever medium? Best and worst adaptations. Mm-hmm. You can go for either one. We don't need to slag things off if you don't necessarily want to. Yeah. I mean, the worst adaptations I've seen in comics are the. Uh, were, uh, there were a bunch of them in the 80s and 90s, I would say, where you just had a movie and you only had like 60 pages and you had to cram it in there. And mm-hmm. it's not anybody's fault. Like, it's just that um, you, at that point you have to make really dire decisions about do you pull out uh, two thirds of the plot threads or do you just use 12 panel pages and, uh, and, and write a greatest hits that reads like a kind of a set of flashcards. Um, so that, I think, again, that comes down to just length and available format. Um, I really have a fondness for um, the adaptations uh, Archie Goodwin and Al Williamson did of the, uh, the middle Star Wars movies, um, uh, the early Star Wars movies, I guess. Not, not the first one, but uh, Empire and, uh, to a lesser degree, Return of the Jedi. I thought those were really... Sh- were those the ones, I, I don't know if this is because I was younger and I'm misremembering it, but I've always remembered that as like working into the main run of the Star Wars comics. And did they do that? I yeah, think... I think they tried to be sort of smooth about that. I mean, it's always like, it, it was always funny reading the issue right before the next movie where they had to sort of move all the players around and like shunk, 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 and oh, well, we're, we're not on this quest anymore. Now we're on the way to wherever the next movie the begins. The little green rabbit dude isn't here anymore. He's gone. <laughs> the green rabbit dude. Yeah. Uh, any other answers? Um, so, well, for me, I was a big X-Men fan in college. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so when those original movies came out, I, I felt really unsatisfied with what they were doing. I watched them. I was sort of excited to be able to see a comic book movie, which was still then a, a newer thing. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorite characters was Rogue. And I felt that she was a really interesting character and that she sort of played on female adolescent insecurities where she absorbs your powers but loses her personality. And I felt that not much was done with her that I found interesting. I found the the movies really weirdly uneven. And so that 
made me just go back to the original comics and um, and reread them. And I felt, I think for a while, I was feeling that more interesting stuff was being done on TV, like. Buffy the Vampire Slayer felt more true to the yeah. spirit of the original X-Men than the X-Men movies did. Um, there was a while yeah. when I thought Buffy was the best Vertigo comic being published on TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, and I really, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, I had another thought. This, this is not so much an adaptation as it is an iteration, but uh, there were these feminist... Uh, comic book heroines in the early 70s, like Shanna the She-Devil. I loved Shanna the She-Devil, even though she only went first in like seven issues. And then when she came back, she was sort of blonde, and then she she was domestic with... Is it Kazar or Kazar? I never know. Kazar. Kazar? Really? Kazar? It feels like it should be Kazar. Yeah. It should have been Kazar. It should have been Kazar. Um... So I I had a lot of trouble with that. Uh, I, I guess it's not an adaptation, but iteration, you know. And I I still have dreams of you know doing doing something different. Although now I think there's some other challenging things about Shanna because you know she's a redhead in the jungle. She would just be a gigantic <laughs> sunburnt. <Yeah. laughs> Pete, do you have an answer to this one? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's tough. That reminded me of uh, you know like. I was a huge Transformers uh, kid. Uh, I loved Transformers. Had as many toys as my parents would buy me. Uh, you know. Do you still have them? No, oh. no. I, I wish my dad threw them all out. Oh. Uh, yeah, it was tough. It was tough. I had a hard, I had a hard life, guys. Uh, <laughs> Listeners, if you want to make this man happy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I love the animated movie. I watched all, every episode of every t- uh, Transformers uh, TV show that ever came. You know, the newer ones I kept watching, even though they went up and down in quality. Then the movies finally came out. I was first guy in line. I was so excited and then just so disappointed that it was not for me. Uh, I was the hugest Transformers fan, and they made a Transformers movie not for Transformers fans. And it was just like, it was, it was a lot to deal with. It was tough. I'm so sorry. Well, it was just, it's just one, it's one of those things where it's like you're taking a new property, you're maybe going in a new direction, and you're not staying close to the roots of like what they were. And all of a sudden, they were like trying to save the world, but they were tiptoeing around mom's garden. And I was like, what? That doesn't make sense. You're Optimus Prime, for Christ's sakes. Have some respect. Uh, But it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, this is not for me. This is for a younger, you know, generation or whoever else it is for, you know. Yeah. Um, Like me, it was for me. I was once once almost hired. The entire project fell apart. But I was once almost hired to write an original manga-style graphic novel to bridge the first two Transformers movies. Oh, wow. And they brought me into the Random House offices, and they, uh, they, they... they wouldn't let me take the script home, the, the screenplay for the second film. It's top secret. They put me in a room and left me alone with it. And it had black bars through a lot of the, um, through a lot of the script um, so that I wouldn't learn the shock surprise, which was that Optimus Prime died and then came back to life, which yeah. happened in every fourth episode of the cartoon series. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the the um, the highlighter wasn't very good, so I could hold the pages up to the light, <laughs> and I actually read the entire script. No, was there. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, real quick before we move on, uh, first thing that came to my mind with adaptation, when I was younger, I had a graphic novel adaptation of Crawl. Yes! Oh, yeah! yeah. <laughs> Which I read, like... Yeah. On a loop, I loved it, and I could not stop reading that. Like I kept reading that and reading that, and eventually I was like, oh, I think there's a movie as well I should check out. Yeah. And I watched the movie, and I was like, this is giving me a headache a little bit. I can't quite follow this, wow. but I love that graphic novel. I thought that was fantastic. That's, I had the opposite. I oh, really? loved the movie, and then when I found out about the graphic novel, I was like, oh, this is different. <laughs> oh, oh, and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger's Conan the Barbarian. I just Ooh, need yeah. to... That was, a, yeah. that was good. good. That was upsetting to was me. Upsetting. I was a big oh, okay. Conan. Which one? The first Which, one? I guess it was the first one with... I'm trying to remember her name. She was... Bridget Nielsen. Nielsen. No, it was before Bridget... Santa, yes, thank yeah, you. She was Kevin, not. She was not my Red Sonia. I just yeah. not my Red Sonia. 
Hashtag uh, not my red sun. Great question. <laughs> <laughs> we do have the two books. Do you want to choose a question or two to give the books away to? Oh, you? yeah. That good. Um, God, uh, what's... Uh, okay. Um, should have told you that. What, what's yeah. the kind of question I could I should ask? I, I don't know. What you, oh, what no, no, I'm saying, uh, was there yeah. a question you thought was particularly good that you want to give away? Oh, to? oh, that should I Should they see. go together? Should they go to the same home? What are you thinking? Well, I... I feel like I should do it separately. So I'm going to say, I, I thought your adaptation question was wonderful. So you should get, uh, I think you should get the first one, Cadaver and Queen. They're, they're supposed to be companion novels. This is my girlfriend's question, so I'm going to give this to your girlfriend. Excellent. And I guess I am going to have to give it to you for the right. chance to let me talk about Shannon the She Devil. All so right. you get Corpus and Crown. Great questions. We're going to move on to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. All right. This is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars in the form of a gift card to Midtown Comics. Anyone who would like to participate, please raise your hand. Anyone who wants to participate can raise their hand. Wow, I just feel bad because there's like, a guy who hasn't now this is a sea of hands he back prize, here. Right? He hasn't gotten anything. You, you don't... You sure? No, he's good. All right, come on up. All right. Here we go. Well, I'm just, you know, you got the signed book. You also got another book, so I was just trying to help out. I, I was going to give it to him, too. All right, cool. He's going to be a fair player. All right, so today's trivia is on topical comic news. Oh boy. I'm going to read you a question, listen to all three possible answers, get all three questions right. $25 is yours, and a gift card to Midtown Comics. If you have 25 bucks, <laughs> you would go to the comic book shop. Get the brain Great. flowing. All right, nice. Yeah, stretching it out. Okay, here we go. Question number one. There is a new Green Lantern in which DC comic? Is it A, Far Sector number one, B, Green Lantern number 462, or is it C, Danny DeVito? So it's either A. It's A. Yes. Yeah, very excited. Yeah, me too. Uh, uh, New Green Lantern. It's a lady. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, question number two. It's a two. lady. It's a lady. Uh, Matthew Rosenberg has been killing it. Uh, he will be writing a new comic series. I just heard about this one today. Yeah, called, is it A, Samurai Wolverine, B, Hawkeye Freefall, or is it C, John Stewart? It's B. It is B. I'm just oh. uh, trying to get a Samurai Wolverine comic made. Just plugging <laughs> that in there. Maybe someone's That's cool. listening. Uh, cool. Question number three. There is going to be a collection of DC's best-known female characters called what? Is it A, DC Women of Action, B, badass characters who just happen to be women, or is it C, Catherine Keener? Uh, I, I guess A. A is correct. $25 free dollars for you, sir. Uh, now, for those of you who are new to the show, you may not know this. Uh, Kevin's already figured it out. Yeah. Pete's third answers always add up to some pattern. For some reason, he's moved on to Robin Williams movies. What are your third answers? Danny DeVito, yep. John Stewart, and Catherine Keener. Yeah, and this is probably a Robin Williams movie of some sort. That's right. Great. Uh, Kevin, you got it? All right, what is it, Kevin? I'd forgotten Danny DeVito was in Death to Smoochie. That's right, he is. Wow. That guy knows a lot of things. I'm so glad you're Kevin's a human computer. This is great. It's very applicable for our comic book talk show. Now, as we all know, (laughs) tomorrow is new comic book day. We recommend you go to Midtown Comics because they've been nice enough to sponsor the show. Pete, what are you looking forward to? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm looking forward to Superman Smashes the Clan number one. Yes. It is a book we need right now, man. Yeah. Hey, racism's bad. Knock it off. (laughs) It's one page. Grow up, you. Fucking fucks, man. <laughs> okay. Calm down. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, buddy. Uh, we're going to have a review of that in our Stack podcast, which posts in the Comic Book Club feed and its own Stack feed every Wednesday at 9 a.m., so check that out. We're also going to have a review of X-Men number one from Marvel Comics is coming out. It's Ooh. a new book, a brand new. It is. Uh, I'm very excited to find out what it is. There's something called Mutants. Yeah, yeah, you're saying it right. Okay, thank you. Yeah, there's uh, a pause there. Yeah, I think I'm very excited new to pick it up. Tans. I'm going to bag and board it immediately because new concept. 
Yeah. Hopefully, it's going to pay a lot of money in 20 years. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. No, we've been loving House of X and Powers of Ten, or at least I have. Uh, so I'm very excited to see what Jonathan Eggman and Lenil Yu do on this new title. As I said, we'll have a review of that. I, I appreciate you just speaking for yourself on that. I, appreciate uh, I know I'm, you're... I'm behind that. It is House of X, but Powers of Ten. Is that how it works? That's okay. what we've been told, yes. <laughs> okay, okay. I get annoyed I've every time. I've heard it both ways. But yeah. Yeah, it's, okay. According, we okay. had uh, the editor, Jordan D. White, on the mm-hmm. show, and yeah. he said that it is, in fact, Powers of Ten. If you want to say Powers of X, that's fine, mm-hmm. but... That's but what it's, it's not like House be- of Ten. It's not, it's House, not of House of Ten. Yeah. Okay. It sounds like the beginning of an incantation. Yeah. 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 House of X, Powers House of, of ten. ten. House, House of, of X, X, Powers, powers of, of Ten. ten. Oh, 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 uh, speaking of which, not at all, uh, you folks plug your stuff. What should people check out again? Elisa, what should people look oh, for? Oh, so uh, let's see. There's um, there's Corpse and Crown, Cadaver and Queen. If you go back and buy more Mystic U-Trade paperback, uh, only good things will happen to you and you will uh, get get lots of money and from the universe. No. Uh, and, um, and then in February, check out uh, Berenice for your most savage... Tooth romantic badness. All right. <laughs> Stuart, what would you like to plug? Uh, let's see. Batman Nightwalker, that's out now from the uh, DC Incline. Wow, thank you. Um, terrific art by uh, Chris Wildgoose and based on a novel by Marie Lu. Um, and uh, my, uh, my two Ahoy books are Captain Ginger, Volume 1 is out now in trade paperback. Uh, season 2 begins in February. Nice. And uh, Bronze Age Boogie, that just completed, and the trade paperback drops November 6th. And I'll be at Baltimore Comic Con next weekend. If anybody wants to come by the Ahoy booth, say hi. All right, cool. very cool. A couple of things we want to plug before we go. The show is free to come see and free to listen to, but it does cost us a little bit of money to do. If you want to support it, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a couple of other podcasts. We've got Watchmen Watch. Our Watchmen podcast is very rapidly finishing up its recap of every individual issue of Watchmen leading into the HBO show, which debuts this weekend. You can check that out. Right now, we're putting it in the comic book club feed, but it is going to be in the future in its own Watchmen watch feed so please subscribe and listen there also riverdale after dark our riverdale podcast is back that is every wednesday after the show so you can check that out and there's plenty more podcasts that you can check out at comicbookclublive.com pete what else do you want to plug friend us on facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on their show you can follow us on twitter at comic book live subscribe and comment please on itunes android spotify stitcher or the app of your choice. A couple of people you want to thank before we go. We want to thank Elisa for being on the show. Stuart! Yeah. Boothman! Prime! But most of all, we want to thank you guys. You are the reason we do this. Live long and prosper! <laughs> Thanks for coming out, guys! Good night, everybody! Thank you! One, two, three, four,